Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Just like that. Final hours here on the Friday edition. Hi, Mike with Henry Withrow across the Outkick Network. Glad you're with us. Join us in the chat on YouTube right now, streaming live and outkick.com. How's the chat today, Chad? It's good. Fired up. A lot of back and forth. I'm going to jump in. How about that? Jump you in. Join you? you always get very excited when you jump in. So please jump in. Well, only because you're there, Chad. Need all the help I can get in that okay. chat. All right. So that's good. good. Start blocking people. I'm like uh, uh, Jon Snow. You know, the, when he's fighting everyone, the, the entire army's bearing oh, down on him. The Battle of the Bastards That's or me in the chat every day. <laughs> just ready to go in the Battle of the Bastards. Yeah. <laughs> I was going to say, for me, not even, not even just in the chat, just uh, period. I'm wielding my sword against everyone in the chat every day. Solo. That could, that's how we could describe the Pac-12 this year. Uh, final year as we know it with the, you know, the abandoning ship prior to the start of the season and of course two teams like Pac-12 to Pac-2 and it's down to two with Washington and Oregon who can get into the college football playoff and represent the conference that is not going to be represented in a power four moving forward uh last ever Pac-12 game tonight and from a conference perspective before we look back on the the top or maybe some lowlights um from a conference perspective this year, if you're a Pac-12 fan, do you want Oregon or Washington in the college football playoff for your best chance as a conference to win the title? I have said all season, and I'm sticking with it, I think Washington can play with anyone. Oregon certainly can as well. But Chad nailed it before we even kicked off the season with Michael Penix Jr. and where the Huskies would be. I'm not moving off of the momentum that started then. And call me crazy, I'm taking Michael Penix Jr. over Bo Nix in the systems that I'm watching, the receivers, and the fact of I've been watching more of Washington, and one of those games was against Oregon, and what was a great game, but it came down to a kick. But I'm taking Washington, and we'll see if we're taking Washington coming up in our wrong team favor. Hun, you know I've been huge on the Huskies, my Huskies, from preseason on. Love this team, love their chances of playing for a title, loved everything about them. Penix Jr., terrific, yep. still hope he wins the Heisman. I don't think they're the best option to go win in the college football playoff. I think Oregon's better right now. They're better defensively. They've got better talent. I think they've been playing better lately. Now, Here's what I'm holding out hope for with this Washington team. There is a TCU-type magic with them. They are so battle-tested. They've had to win. They had to get a pick six, 96-yard pick six to beat Arizona State. They have survived One by two against Oregon State. Close game against Stanford. Yep. You know, Washington State comes down to a field goal. Six or seven games like that. And they win last week. They've got so many games like that. 
that the hope is they've got that magic. Now, the magic ran out for TCU on the Monday of the national championship game against Georgia last year. But I think Oregon's just better right now. I also think there is something special about this Washington team. So the way you pose the question, if I'm a Pac-12 fan, who could win it all? I feel better about Oregon with their talent and the team they have right now. But I'm not discounting Washington, and uh, we'll get into it wrong team favor because there's a – what did uh, Kelly like to say? I'll sprinkle a little bit on it. Yeah. There's a sprinkling of magic dust on this Washington team that I don't know that Oregon has. They're not nine points better than Washington. Oh, I I agree. But – That's a big line. Vegas is saying, yes, they are. Uh, And and here's the other thing. There's – Washington is gutsy. Their coaching staff – Gutsy. That fourth and one call from their own 29. Like, they're willing to go for it when their backs are against the wall. And then Penix Jr. nearly threw two more picks after they they get the game-changing moment in the huge fourth fourth conversion. But that's all a part of this story. And uh, I've seen the head-to-head matchup earlier this year. I think think Washington can, especially this year, this, this... landscape of college football yeah in thinking of there is something special about this group and their ability to find a way to win close games hey and that is something you can't often quantify what with with any team in any sport and this is a topic of if Oregon gets in yes if Oregon gets in um Bo Nix at Auburn compared to Bo Nix at Oregon and not just better but championship worthy but Heisman better crazy the transformation that he's had as a third generation legacy name at the university uh, where his grandfather and his father played memories for me with the Pac-12 the good like the great it's USC with Leinart and Reggie Bush Pete Carroll and Lindell White and you know uh, on the sidelines Lauren Conrad from the hills and from Laguna Beach, like all of LC, that, LC, uh, low, I, that that era was the the college era for me. That is what I think of when I think of Pac-12 and in football specific. I don't think of as far as the dominance. It was USC, and oh by the way, uh, Reggie Bush apparently not allowed to actually claim those stats because of. The ten thousand dollar payment. Yeah, I, I um, uh, my memory of the Pac-12 will always be the Rose Bowl. Uh, big games with UCLA taking place there, but also just the game in general mattering because it was the the one, the granddaddy of them all, and it featured two conferences every year. It was very consistent. Pac Pac-10, Pac-8, Pac-10, then Pac-12 versus the Big Ten, and with no Pac-12, that doesn't continue on. So I'll always think about that being the goal. We have Ryan Leaf on weekly, and he talks about the, the Rose Bowl team for Washington State. That was the goal if you played on any team in the Pac-12 for years. And while the Rose Bowl will continue to exist and teams will play each other that formerly played in the Pac-12 at times, it'll never be the same. So that'll be my biggest memory. Yeah, I mean, you've got some classic players. Other uh, programs and, and individual players and quarterbacks from Andrew Luck to you know, others um pac-12 after dark comes to mind just the branding that awful announcing did a great job just listing 
some of those. And, and it, you, you've got stadiums, uh, you've got students and trees, you know, yeah, all across. And, and the, Cal, the Cal Berkeley guy that lived in the tree at one point for much of a season. Uh, and plenty of comebacks. And for the most part, offense and defense. Some balanced teams. It is time from... Oh, and by the way, uh, the bad, awful leadership. Awful leadership. And just trying to balance a budget as a conference and being a part of the Power Five to knowing the direction that college well, football is going. Well, and feeling like it did not have to happen this way. That it was a, a self-imposed penalty. That this was not inevitable. That they could have figured out a way to rally and keep it all together, and they couldn't. That's unfortunately the last image of the way out for the Pac-12. Sad. Davey Hudson joins us. Davey, you have a specific memory with the oh, Pac-12? Uh, yeah, I mean, a couple come to mind. For starters, it was always a great stepping stone for me to become a head coach in the SEC when playing NCAA football. So <laughs> uh, I am going to miss that. You're uh, from Corvallis to the Plains I, at Auburn? Or what, what was your job that was the entry point? It was uh, from Pullman to uh, Baton Rouge most of the time, <laughs> to be honest. And if, if like, I, I did love, the you Palouse. mentioned Pac-12 after dark, man, and yeah, watching man. Mike Leach up there with the yeah. Cougars. Yeah. Uh, him and Gardner Minshew, I mean, that moment where he puts the, the fake mustache on him, I, I love that. So I, I will miss not having those games to turn to at 1 a.m. on a random Saturday in October. But it's like you, you guys mentioned, it was just so poorly run there towards the end. And, I mean, Larry Scott just – Yeah, awful. It, it, it set it up, and then uh, George Kalivikoff wasn't a, was able to put the final the, nail in it. On the heels of the Oregon brand, Chip Kelly, yeah. you know, uh, all of that. And it is as a conference where it's – I'll, I'll also death. always remember that USC song they play on first downs that's part of their the, – yeah. the fight on, you know, the dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun-dun. Like you watch a game on ABC back in the day – and you would hear that over and over again, and it's just ingrained in your brain forever after that. I'll, I'll remember that part of it. As a kid, I'm going to date myself here a little bit, you didn't watch a ton of Pac-12 no. unless it was highlights of whatever regional game you were watching on the weekend. Or, and or it if was, Michigan was playing. It, it, or there you, was one year that uh, like, Notre Dame's playing. I remember uh, being a kid, and I, the, remember the Desert Swarm defense for Arizona? And I remember I had a Sports Illustrated subscription back when, you know, Sports Illustrated meant something. Yeah. I had a Sports Illustrated subscription, and Arizona was picked to win the national title that year. And I remember the cover with the Desert Swarm defense. And I remember they lost like four games that year, I think. It was not good. (laughs) But I remember thinking like, oh, I need to watch Arizona games. How can I do that? And in 1993, you know, there weren't a lot of ways to do that. It's, it's a big year just in the TV rights deals as well because, I mean, SEC is no longer going to be on CBS. So you topple that with the Pac-12 just kicking the can. But yep. and I saw that a lot, uh, lot of change coming. CBS put out a huge video celebrating all their years with the SEC, oh. a highlight video. And yeah. I just saw someone retweet it, repost it, and say that I saw more Ed Ogeron than Vanderbilt in that entire clip. <laughs> Man, that <laughs> – Hearing that music, I, I just pretty good. did we hear it of all the years of it? I, I'm glad it's gone, man. That music kind of gives me PTSD. It's like I'm back in Nam, you know. It's just one of those things. Da, so we're watching, da, 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 yeah, da. watching Tennessee just get destroyed by yeah. Bama or Georgia. As of it's going to be weird hearing that theme on Big Ten games now. That that's the strange part. Yep. Yeah, if you're up in uh, Kentucky, Chad, you hear that as an SEC fan, you may 
light a dumpster on fire, right? It's true. Or a, cou- or, or a, or a couch. couch I burns. mean, any excuse to light something on fire, that you're ready for it. Time for dumpster fire of the week on Hot Mike with Hutton and Withrow. Uh, guys, for me, uh, PGA Tour is dead. Yep. And Jay Monahan has sent them into this burning abyss of a dumpster. They have self-imposed uh, the uh, public investment firm uh, pr- with, uh, with the Saudis, the, the December 31st deadline. And Monahan's looking for the investors. He's trying to get, uh, he's trying to be more transparent after not being at all through the initial negotiations going on here. And well, you've got Mickelson who is saying, well, based on what has happened prior to this live golf era, I approached the PGA Tour along with Endeavor who purchased UFC and then has purchased WWE with a billion dollar type deal where the players could get half of what these small, not small events, a small part of the schedule would be. They didn't even take it under consideration because no one heard about it other than Monaghan. Tiger Woods is pissed off as well, voicing his frustration about how things went down. And then there is John Rahm, who is expected, unless it's signed recently, to take a $300 million signing bonus over a five-year term to join Live Golf. And the terms of that, after everything that's gone on, tells you they don't care. Live, I'm saying, does not care about the perception that they are here to take over. And Monaghan is over. He's done. Because you've got the top voices in golf and the guy, Tiger Woods now, publicly stating that the leadership throughout this process was awful. That's a dumpster fire. It's headed nowhere because it's not going to exist much longer. It's a good one. My dumpster maybe, fire. Maybe this by week, name only, chat. Yeah, could be. My dumpster fire this week, Deadspin. Uh, and the story about the nine year old kid they accused of being racist that, in fact, uh, was not. And now they've gone silent on the story because they're about to get sued by this kid's family and they don't want to admit fault in all of this. Look, I said it earlier this week. I don't want to get into a whole other thing about it. General rule in journalism, or if you're covering something, one, don't cover kids. There's no need to do that. And two, don't just assume that a nine-year-old is racist because he's painted his face for his football team. That's a really dumb way to go about business. And Deadspin looks foolish. And now their editors are calling people sexist and racist for asking for comment from them about it. It is a complete dumpster fire. They're going to lose money in this. I don't know how much money Deadspin makes anymore. I really don't know. Uh, I saw someone send something to me on social media and said they're going to make millions off Deadspin. I, I'm thinking, does Deadspin have millions to spend on this kit? I really don't know the state of their business. I do know the state of that decision, and it's incredibly dumb, and it's led to a dumpster fire, and that's mine. Guys, for my dumpster fire, I'll at least put out the disclaimer if you're eating. Now is probably a good time to put on some earmuffs. Oh, goodness. Yes. Uh, I've never heard of this restaurant before. It's called Chopped. Uh, it's known as like a creative a salad, salad company. Yep. And... Well, uh, Chop's currently being sued because one of their customers was eating a salad and happened to find a finger. 
But it wasn't just bad enough that they found the finger in the salad. They actually ended up chewing on the finger beforehand. Now there's a lawsuit going on. Uh, Allison Cozy lives in Connecticut. This happened back in April. The suit's now coming out. But a woman, which I, it's pretty easy to track this down. One of their employees did chop off her finger, no pun intended, with the name of the restaurant as well. And uh, she was cutting up some arugula. And after that had happened, they, for some reason, did not throw out the arugula. Uh, it got into Miss Cozy's salad. And she is alleging, I want to make sure I get this right, that she has suffered several injuries, including cognitive impairment, dizziness, nausea, panic attacks, shock, migraines, and neck and shoulder discomfort following the incident. Normally in lawsuits, I hear the litany of uh, things that you're suffering from, and I think, okay, maybe, maybe. In this, I'm like, yes, 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 yes. It's a dumpster fire. She's ill, but Hannibal Lecter would just call it an appetizer. There'll be a settlement for He'd be fine. That's just good protein. Solid protein for Hannibal Lecter. Yeah. That's wild. She cut her finger off and they didn't stop the assembly line yeah, what or whatever you was going on. You were over here with the arugula? Oh, I we, think that would shut things down don't for see a it. bit. So, we don't see it on the top. So it Man, must be you gone. lost your finger? Oh, let's stop the conveyor belt. <laughs> <laughs> that is uh, dumpster fire. You're right, Debbie. Uh, back with Chad's top rankings for the games. Six of the Peabody are located with Eha Beer and Old Smoky Moonshine. We know Chad's... Uh, High on Georgia and Bama because we discussed it's our we can't I can't miss game of any of these games. There are you're either on board with the fact you think it's going to be chalk because the season mostly has been, or you're looking for the chaos and the debate, the discussion, and the the anger that will be across the country because there will be high level programs that are going to be left out if there's the chaos that. We have seen in some years past with the format for the four team headed into the 12. Chad, it is time for your top 10 games of the college football weekend. Let's hit it. College football, it's time to bang some hats. Here's Chad Withrow's must-see games this weekend. Hunting beauty is in the eye of the beholder. Just ask Iowa fans. They think that team is beautiful. They do. No one else does, but 10 wins is beautiful. You know what's even more beautiful? 12 wins. That's what Liberty has. They're 12-0. For the first time in their program's 50-year history, the Liberty Flames finished the uh, the season undefeated under Jamie Chadwell in his first season leading that program. Did a terrific job. New Mexico State, you may remember them. They're fresh off a 31-10 win over Auburn just a couple weeks ago. But the Aggies are traveling over 1,800 miles to face Liberty. Uh, This is one of those conference championship games that will take place at Liberty at the the higher-seeded home field. Conference USA Championship. This game is tonight, Hutton, 6 p.m. Central Time on CBS Sports Network. It's the 10th out of 10 games. Let me also be clear. There are 10 games being played. This is very clearly number 10. Over 1,800 miles, you said? Over 1,800. I just did a quick uh, Google here. The flight time to Auburn, or mileage, was uh, just over 1,200. And the the line is peculiar, given what we've seen recently from New Mexico State. But give me Liberty or give me death. Liberty minus 10 is that line that Hutton mentioned right there. Game number nine. Let's go to the Sun Belt. Or as some would call it, the Fun Belt. And this game should be fun also. Appalachian State at Troy. The Trojans, a six and a half point favorite. This game at 3 p.m. Central Time on ESPN. 
Appalachian State, they've appeared in four of the last six Sunbelt Championship games. Troy, though, stingy on defense. Tenth in scoring defense nationally, giving up 16.7 per game. This was one of Kelly and Vegas's picks. I think she likes Appalachian State in this game. Hutton should be a good one. Could be a, a low-scoring affair in um, this one also. I look at this game and I think I feel awful for James Madison. That's what I think when I see this matchup. They're not allowed yeah, to play. That's true. Now, I feel a little bit better about it that Appalachian State beat them head-to-head. But yes, uh, this should be James Madison in this game. I agree with you. Hey, but good news for the Dukes of James Madison. They get to go bowling because there weren't enough teams in the uh, FBS that got bowl eligible with six wins. So now James Madison does get the bowl game. Eight and four or nine and three, one of the two. Yeah. Game number eight, the MAC. Let's get into some action. Let's do it. The MAC is the one conference, Hutton, that is impervious to realignment. They just stay the same. Is that good or bad? No matter what. No one wants in. (laughs) Here's what you got to ask yourself. It's very great. Does no one want out or does no one want in? Right. That's the question about the Mac. But either way, they've stayed very consistent. Uh, Old school football fans will love the Mac is hanging hanging tough there. This is Miami of Ohio against Toledo. Toledo, a seven and a half point favorite. 11 a.m. Central Time kickoff on ESPN. Toledo going for back-to-back MAC championships, and uh, this is the league's two best offenses: 35 points per game for Toledo versus 27 points per game for Miami of Ohio. Toledo only lost this season was in Week One by two points to Illinois. They are 11 and one on the season. Miami, their only losses to Miami, Florida, and also a close 21-17 loss to Toledo. Very good game, first go around Hutton. This should be another good one in the MAC championship. Winner to the, is it the Motor City Bowl? Is it a game that's played uh, sometime in the teens of December, would be my guess? Yes. That's how I rank bowl games. If you're playing in the teens of December, it's not a high profile bowl game. Let's go to our game number seven, my game number seven, Mountain West Championship. Boise State, a two and a half point favorite at UNLV. This game's at 2 p.m. Central Time on Fox. So this is a weird one. Computer rankings force this matchup after San Jose State actually won at UNLV last week, causing a three-way tie atop the Mountain West Conference. Boise State lost their quarterback, great name, Maddox Madsen, lost him, but they've been rolling right along. Sounds like a WWE name. It does. I'm sure this guy could wrestle too. (laughs) Maybe he wrestled in high school. They fired Andy Avalos uh, two weeks ago. They're 2-0 without him. Spencer Danielson, the interim head coach for Boise State. UNLV, great offense. But Boise State favored on the road. UNLV, a really good story this year, too, with Barry Odom as their head coach. Yeah, and Avalos was like 22-15 and 15 or 22-13 and 13 as the, his, his record at Boise. He's out, but they're still in. Bring on Brian Harson or one of the Moore brothers, either Kellen or his brother that's the uh, offensive coordinator at Missouri. That's likely the next move for Boise State. Game number six should be higher, should be better. It's a big conference. In fact, it's so big, they just go by big at times. <laughs> the Big Ten, number two, Michigan, a 23-and-a-half-point favorite over number 16. Iowa, 7 p.m. Central Time kickoff on Fox. Is Iowa the most disgusting 10-win team in history? Hutton, they are dead last. Not in the Big Ten. 
They are dead last in all of college football in yards on the season. Wow. Dead last in yards, okay, for Iowa. 18 points per game. They are the only bowl team. Not, again, not playing for a Big Ten championship. They're playing for a Big Ten championship. They're the only bowl-eligible team that's in the last 30 in total offense in America, okay? Hutton, the closest one to them that's bowl eligible, they're averaging 18 a game. Closest one to them that's bowl eligible is Rutgers, who averages 24 points per game. Six points better than Iowa. They're Try so to wrap bad. your mind around all of those facts and then once again realize the Iowa Hawkeyes are 10 and 2. This is why they're not the most disgusting 10 win team, because they're not an 11 win team. And with the win, they would be in the college football playoff. And let me also say, that, you know, from a propaganda standpoint, by winning and blowing out Iowa, Michigan's going to be like, see, signs didn't matter. Their, their offense is so bad, Chad, that having that advantage doesn't exist if you had the signs that were coming in. The, is, it, is the over-under for scoring still, is it still half a point in each half? You, you could bet whether or not Iowa will score in a half. Could, could Iowa? Yeah, it was, it's half a point. I don't think it's moved. Well, like, could Iowa get the defensive call from Michigan on every play, like right before? <laughs> could they tell them exactly? What hey, we're going to blitz from this side. It, There's going to be a stunt in the middle. We're going to have a twist here. We're going to do this. Could they get every signal and score double digits? <laughs> That's the question. Oh, you're going to blitz over here? I'm going to throw a screen there, and they could check and do whatever they wanted. Could they score double digits doing that? I doubt it. Um, terrible. But 10 wins. Congrats, Hawkeyes, on that. Let's get into our top five, shall we? Absolutely. Game number five, the American Athletic Conference Championship between the Southern Methodist University and Tulane. At Tulane in New Orleans, Tulane 22nd the country. Tulane, a three-and-a-half-point home favorite. This game, 3 p.m. Central Time on ABC. Great matchup. Both teams undefeated in their conference. Uh, Tulane, a win sends them to their second straight New Year's Six game for SMU. Best offense in the conference and the best defense in the conference. 6.5 yards per play on offense, holding teams to 4.4 yards on defense, but no starting quarterback. Preston Stone, injured last week, broke his leg against Navy. Backup quarterback for SMU. Tulane favored. Should be a great game, Hutton, for two teams playing for that coveted Group of six spot in the in the New Year six. So right behind Tulane currently is Liberty, based on what I'm looking at, unless yep. it's an old one. So if it's if Liberty were to lose and Tulane were to lose, SMU's SMU got the ghost. Yep. All right, this is and it could stakes. work out where SMU jumps Liberty, even if Liberty wins. Okay. If they win this game, but SMU's got to win to have a shot. Both teams have to win to have a shot at that spot in the New Year six. And, uh, by the way, this game yeah. would also. If James Madison were eligible, they would get that spot. Yes, they would. But they're not. They're not. But they will go bowling. They should be. Game number four, Big 12. Let's do it. Number 18, Oklahoma State against number seven, Texas. In Jerry's world, the Longhorns, 14.5-point favorites. 11 a.m. kickoff on ABC. Offensive player of the year in the Big 12, Ollie Gordon II. He had over 1,500 yards and 20 touchdowns on the season. Coach of the year in the Big 12, Mike Gundy, Oklahoma State. Do you think that pisses off Steve Sarkeesian and Texas just a little bit, that Oklahoma State's getting all the accolades 
Absolutely it does. Texas rushed for 300-plus yards versus Texas Tech last week. The two games where Oklahoma State gave up over 250 rushing yards, a blowout loss to UCF recently, and a loss to South Alabama all the way back in week two. If Texas can run it the way they did against Texas Tech, good night, Cowboys. Uh, Cowboys with three losses on the season, but their wins. You want to know who's going to be the Don of the Big 12 moving forward? It could be them. It could be Gundy. They just knocked out Oklahoma, and they can knock out Texas for Brett Yormark. Can I, can I make one suggestion for Gundy? They've got him. Yes. You can't fully grow back the mullet overnight, but wear a Stetson cowboy hat for this game on the sideline in Jerry's world. Wear the cowboy hat as the head coach. Like, the Cowboys, be the wider for the Big 12 moving forward. Yes. Uh, he's coming and he's bringing hell with him. Yeah. As wider, as Kurt Russell once said in Tombstone. <laughs> game number three. ACC Championship, number 14, Louisville, against number four, Florida State. The Knowles, a two-and-a-half-point favorite, 7 p.m. Central Time kickoff on ABC. It is win and end time for Florida State. They win this game. I firmly believe they're not getting knocked out. They are going to be in the college football playoff. Is Rodemaker or is it Rodemaker? Whoever it is, is he okay? Questionable game-time decision. Florida State only managed 224 yards against Florida. Not great offensively against a Florida defense that was struggling. Uh, Louisville allowed only 83 rushing yards to Kentucky. Weird game in a 38-31 loss. There was a special teams touchdown for the Cats. Louisville, though, defensively very sound. Can Florida State run the ball? If they can do it, they're going to have a great shot to win and get in that playoff. Louisville, they'll be in their first power six uh, excuse me, New Year's Day six uh, game in 11 years. They're still one of the best stories, storylines of the college football Jeff season. Jeff Rum crushed it in year one. Yeah, uh, uh, props. Shouldn't have lost to Kentucky. Nope, should not have. Weird game, but got to win that one. Game number two, let's go out west. Pac-12. Let's go to Vegas, in fact. Vegas is all about winners. Heisman Trophy might get decided tonight. Mm-hmm. If someone has a heroic performance in this game, whether it be Bo Nix or Michael Penix Jr., they may be your next Heisman Trophy winner with Jaden Daniels not playing this weekend. Heisman voters get one more chance to see someone. They're going to see both these guys tonight. So a big opportunity. Oregon, best team in America at not allowing sacks. Washington, they're second in sacks allowed. So two teams that don't let defenses get on their quarterback. How disrespected does Washington feel right now? They beat Oregon earlier this year. Granted, Oregon, I think, was 0 for 4 on fourth down, missed a field goal in the game. Washington hit a big field goal in that game. Almost a double-digit underdog. Will the Huskies be able to ride that disrespect card right into a Pac-12 championship, Hutton? This is a playoff game. It is. This is a version of the 12-team playoff right here. Uh, Win, and you know you're in the four. And the team with one loss that we haven't discussed in this scenario would be Washington. How far would they fall? If, if chaos ensues. This game takes place, by the way, two hours, 25 minutes from now. It'll be kicking off on ABC. So a big one tonight. Game number one, we went west, young man. Let's go south, young man. SEC championship down in Atlanta. SEC fans taking Atlanta like Sherman once did. <laughs> Trey Wallace, based on his Wi-Fi connection at hotel. 
also taking down Atlanta, covering this game for OutKick. Number one, Georgia, a five-and-a-half-point favorite against number eight, Alabama, 3 p.m. kickoff on CBS. Get all that SEC, CBS music you can because next week that or next year that theme music will be for the Big Ten. Bama has been mistake-prone this year. We remember the fourth and 31 throw from Jalen Milrow. What we forget is what led to that fourth and 31, a missed snap from Jalen Milrow in his center that backed the tide up. They've had a penalty issue. They had eight penalties against Auburn. Georgia, fewest penalties in the SEC. But Bama has been battle-tested. It was a six-point, it was a three-point win over Arkansas. Six-point game against Tennessee, AM, Ole Miss, and Auburn late in the game. Can the battle-tested Tide, Hutton, get it done in this game? Game number one of the week. Those are my top ten games ranked. I I love the list. Let's preview a bit more of the top two on your list when we come back. And what Jalen Milrow can prove against the Bulldogs. Plus, we've got wrong team favored out in Vegas. Fast-paced show today, Chad. Getting to the weekend. That's how we like it. It, I, I... Looked up from my computer in this chat that was so active all day, and I just said, oh, wow, this is the final segment. I, I failed to go back to the chat after I jumped in. I, I got to go do a radio out. interview right when we sign off. That's always a killer to me. Uh, Davey and I were noticing during the break that Dockage is wearing a very similar, it's not the same, very similar coat jacket that you had the pullover yesterday. Um, he asked if it reminded me of yours. And I said, no, it's not the same color. And then I said, oh, I see what you're asking. Yes, it looks like a coach. Yeah, that's that's a good point. How did it go? Your your debut was the assistant instead of the head coach. It won my debut. We were uh, four and zero going into it last night, and uh, we lost by two touchdowns at a basketball game, twenty eight fourteen. So rough rough night. It's a it's did you a sit third... on the bench and just chill. <laughs> well, I do for the most part. I was saying some things. <laughs> Our head coach is great. Um, I was saying some things. I shout out that. shout out Coach Venata, yes. who's terrific. Our, our head coach. Oh, I'm not taking shots there. And she, um, no, I know you're not. I'm, okay. I'm, just, okay. I'm explaining how good she is. <laughs> okay. But she's very good with the kids and um, knows exactly how, and her daughter's on the team also. And she coaches at the school my, my daughter's at. It is third through fifth grade, Hutton. And it, you're not around a lot of third through fifth graders. I'm not. There is a wide gap in physical size and ability between fifth graders and third graders. And there was a fifth grader on this team that we played that looked like Candace Parker playing toddlers <laughs> of our third graders. And we got a bad matchup. There's no way to plan it, but each girl has to play like a certain amount of time. So you have four minute increments they play. Is this eight foot goal or what is this? We had twice where we had all of our third graders in, five of them in at once, and that the, the fifth grade girl for them was in. And I mean, it was just get it across half court right when you cross the timeline where they could play defense. She'd go steal the ball and go lay it in. Get it across half court, try to pass it, steal it, go lay it in on the other end. So I think she went on a 12-0 run by herself over four minutes, and that pretty much put us away. It's like Larry Bird just telling you what they're doing and then doing it. Yeah. Playing with the left hand. Yeah, this girl was uh, feasting on the, the third graders for a, for a stretch. So it was a rough, rough time. I knew when I looked up and, and my daughter, who's in third grade, I'm like, oh, she's might be the point guard in this situation. Not going to be good. It's not going to be a good, good few minutes here for this team. It's going to be good for four teams whenever we come back on Monday, going to the college football playoff. Uh, we welcome in Davey Hudson for, for wrong team favored. And I'm, I'm bringing in the discussion for Georgia and Bama. 
of the 11 FBS teams that Georgia's played this season, only four ended with Georgia winning by 10 or fewer points. All four of those teams kept it close with a dual-threat quarterback. And I'm riding with the Crimson Tide, and what I have seen in the progression from Jalen Milrow and the coaching job that I've seen from this Alabama staff from Saban on down. I like the storyline of Georgia. I love the storyline of Bama this year. We are two months removed from declaring Saban done and whether or not he's going to be on college game day next year. And now all of a sudden, that's gone. And what's weird about this is the discussion that Georgia hasn't lost in two years or whatever, and we've got Alabama in the way from then possibly going for a three-peat. Massive stakes. And from the just the perception of the SEC, Georgia losing, Bama winning, and what happens, I kind of want to watch that play out. Wrong team favorite. I'm taking Bama to win. See, I, I like this pick, Hutton, and um, you look at 08, 2021, when Nick Saban's a big underdog in this SEC championship, what he's done in those games, pretty good track record. This is the logical pick. Let's throw those, those points up there again, if we can, on what? the screen. This is the logical move for a guy who's winning the competition with 33 points. Davey's also going to probably have a pretty good pick at 29 points. Yeah. I've got no points all year. I'm over on the season. So what I need are points because we're going to have a big round robin five-team extravaganza. We're each going to pick five games for bowl season. Love this. And the playoff coming up. So I'll have a chance to come back. Um, give me my Washington Huskies. Play the disrespect card all you want. You won this game before. Vegas thinks you're a double-digit almost underdog. I'm going to take nine and a half. Washington tonight. Sprinkle some of that magic dust on Michael Penix Jr. And let's get this thing done in Vegas. A city of winners and losers. May Washington, who has been a winner in every single game so far this season, come out on top tonight. Give me my Huskies. Get me back in this competition with nine and a half big points. Does the Pac-12 actually go out with a good game, or do you, do you think it's one That's of those? Game. Davey, okay. if my picks have anything to do with this, it will be a terrible game. Well, and Oregon's going to boat You can lose them. by one. You can lose by one. Oh, it's going to be the it's way. Still a loss of, uh, I don't remember the final scores The way scores Washington of played against Arizona State in that game, they could come out and play tonight that way. You almost okay. had the BYU over Oklahoma game. And no it one. may be 35-13. Thank you for acknowledging that near miss of <laughs> BYU and Provo. Uh, also, Colorado-Arizona, that was a last-second field goal. Almost had 10 points in that one. Almost. Guys, Almost. You, Chad, you're talking about the fun belt and your top 10 games, and even though this should be James Madison, I'm anticipating and expecting that Appalachian State takes down Troy tonight. If you look at this rivalry, the last 10 games, Appalachian State's won eight of those last 10. They've won five in a row. And it's just whenever I look at these two teams' seasons, App State's been able to – always come out in top like if this game's going to overtime they've just learned how to win in those closer games whereas Troy they've had a couple of close games but they've been much better about blowing their opponents out as of late and so if it's one of those close games I just think App State's going to ultimately prevail uh, this game's tomorrow at four eastern and uh, give five and a half uh, I mean I'm looking at the numbers if 
Alabama's not able to pull it off, that would put me right on top. And yeah, I right. never would have thought that would have been the case. But You've been on a nice run. So, And I, I mean, I've been... I feel like I've been close in some of these picks recently. I was on a great start. And I got then destroyed yesterday or last getting, week. Getting uh, Chad, your Vanderbilt pick over South Carolina wasn't a close game. Didn't you have them? Uh, Vanderbilt was. Uh, is it on it, there? It was a blowout. I thought. I don't know. I Where's can't go my, back that far. Uh, yeah. Can we? If we, no. That, that one was. That was like two weeks ago. So maybe not. That may have been the Oklahoma BYU pick that I had. Twenty-four and a half. It I'm was not close. sure. The, uh, I've had I, a, I know I, Vandy, no, South Carolina I, was not close. To your point, I've had a bunch that have not been close let, at all. Let me pose the debate this way uh, for, for the playoff because we're discussing a lot of one-loss teams. If Bama wins, Texas wins, um, what if Washington loses? How long during the season was that victory considered the best win of the season over Oregon? In the regular season. And you know they value, the committee does, Oregon's loss to Washington. They're fifth. Washington's third. And then you've got a one-loss Washington that's in the mix, having played Oregon a second time with a one-loss Ohio State. Bama's the SEC champion. Georgia's one loss. There's a lot of discussion. And I'm simply throwing them back in the mix because they've been in the mix all year through the committee's power rankings. They're a nine-point underdog, and they're at three, and Oregon's at five. As they should be. They're unbeaten. Yeah. They beat Oregon. But if we're going to go by what Vegas thinks, why even play these games? I hope and we it, get a really good game tonight. I think we do. Or anything else, I, I think I, we will too. I, but, I think it's going to be a repeat of the first one. But if we get a very tight game like a repeat of the first one, how, would, how is Washington viewed in the eyes of the committee? And we went about we went a month and a half thinking the Pac-12 could get they're, two teams in. They're out. Oregon replaces them in all discussion because they're the Pac-12 uh, champion. And that and look, I I love Washington as a story, but as it should be. Okay. Oregon won later in the year. We know how everything works. Where the, you win later, it helps you out more. And there's a scenario where they're in and with they're a the loss. champion. Yeah, the, the, it, Washington's out. Florida State loses. Texas loses. There's a way to get back in. Take a lot it. of losing for that. Uh, yeah, I, I think the only no. situation you could get in this if is a playoff that would game happen, tonight. You would need Georgia to win, Michigan to lose, Florida State to lose, Texas to lose, and then of course Alabama would lose. Well, but uh, Florida it's a, State it's a losing playoff isn't game. far-fetched. It, it's also a playoff game, Hutton, that only ensures one of the two participants in the playoff. Well, and but, that's Washington. But based on certain getting in, based it on does certain not results, ensure though, Oregon anything. But based on certain results. Last week with Michigan and Ohio State was a playoff game. Oh, no. And, and they, based they need, on certain results, Ohio State could get in. No, I'm saying Washington's the only one who controls their destiny. Oh, yes. At this I, point. Okay. Right? The Oregon wins. Yeah, they could get in. A lot of things have to happen around them or something has to happen. Maybe not a lot. I think A little yeah, has to I happen get, around them for them in. to get yeah, in. I agree. The winner's in. But the loser is out. Oregon's definitely out. I think, yes. I, I, Maybe Washington with a lot of favorable other things happening. Yes. Other yeah. help. A lot of help. Um, so where, where would the spread need to be for us to take Iowa and the points? <laughs> I'm I not mean, even close. I'm this not even is a close spot. Like, I, I would take the, I, I'm laying the point. I would take Michigan at the, the spread. Yeah, I, I would. I mean, Vegas sets there for a reason. I could see a scenario where this is, what is it? 23 and a half. Uh, I can see this being a 20, 20, 22 right now. Yeah, I think it went down just a tad. I can see it being thing. 24 to 3. 
I'll and, uh, and Iowa covering. I, I just get the sense this is a boat race with Michigan coming out, and you they win going away, and Tony Petiti has to hand out the trophy with a score that is just lopsided to no end. I vowed to not touch Iowa games after last week, so I would. Uh, I, I took the over when Davey was so passionate about it. Davey cannot send the group a text where he's passionate about a bet after 8 p.m. Because after 8 p.m. on the weekend, if I've had something to drink, oh, then you're I'm going to bet in. it. And I'm just immediately, I just immediately I, go to my, my app and I bet yeah. it. And I did that last week when he sent that. Yeah, I saw, I saw it got down to 25 and I was like, that's easy money. If my response is just simply LFG in all caps, <laughs> you know that's not good for anyone. Uh, let's, uh, our NFL moneymaker locks. The, the pick by Kelly, I, I, I mean, let's, be, let's mention her here too because she says to take San Francisco, a favorite on the road, the home dog being Philadelphia. I'm not going there. I'm playing that. I'm following her. Uh, I'm taking the Indianapolis Colts on the road against the Tennessee Titans. Tennessee's 4-0 at home, but they're not. I mean, Henry... Rushed for like 30 yards in their first matchup in Indy. It's an offensive line that can't protect the quarterback. Colts are better. And that's tough to say considering where the Titans thought they were and where the Colts were going to be at this point. And they weren't thinking they were going to have Minshew playing in this. I know Taylor's out, but they were still able to run the football without him to begin the season. I'm taking the Colts as the road favorite. I've had a lot of luck NFL-wise anytime touchdown. Um, DeAndre Hopkins had a good game against the Colts the first go-around. He is plus 200. I think he's fifth or sixth down the list of odds to score a touchdown this game. I think Will Levis at home is going to connect with DeAndre Nuke Hopkins for a touchdown. Okay. Give me Hopkins anytime touchdown plus 200. Give me the Colts to win the game. Rasheed yeah. Rice also hit for you last week. He did. Give me the Colts to win the game, but Hopkins will score a touchdown. Davey? Oh, well, you mentioned uh, Rasheed Rice. I, I'm taking the under in the Chiefs-Packers game. Right now it's at 43. If you look at the last two time, or the last time these two teams faced each other, Jordan Love actually started in place of Aaron Rodgers. Now I'm not expecting a 13-7 to game like we saw there, but I just think both these defenses are playing much better than their respective offenses. And so it's going to be up in Green Bay. It's going to be a night game. It's going to be cold. There's going to be some potential snow earlier in the day. And I don't think the weather will be too much of a factor, but it'll be enough to where it could cause a few turnovers here or there. I just think whenever I look at these defenses, I feel much more confident than the offenses. And so, again, primetime unders. I know last night wasn't one that hit for us, but that's where I'm leading. Uh, the other thing, I was tempted to take the Bucks minus five. I'm going to hold off on that, but what's fascinating is Tampa Bay is one game out of hosting a playoff game, but also they'd be picking seventh if the draft happened today. And they've got the, what, Carolina this week? They do, yes. Chat, Regime uh, change, though. Uh, more interesting uh, post-game presser with both teams winning. Harbaugh or Gundy? Uh, <laughs> give me Gundy, especially give me where's the cowboy hat. Give me both. Go cowboy hat, Gundy. Do it. Do it. Enjoy. Have a great weekend, everybody. weekend. Let's do this. Kicks off in a little over an hour or so. Time to win. LFG. Can't wait. Let's go. Back at it on Monday to recap it. 3 o'clock Eastern. Hot out with Adam Withrow across the Outkick Network. <laughs> <laughs>